Abstract Athlete Podcast, a collision of art, sports, and science. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Appreciate all the continued support from our listeners and sponsors. If you have any questions or comments, please send it to info at theabstractathlete.com. Tons of things coming up, so make sure to stop by our website and also follow us on all of our social media platforms. And make sure to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, The Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge podcast. Really very excited about the podcast today as I speak with volunteer and outreach coordinator for Sportable, wheelchair rugby player, movie enthusiast, and all-around epic human Josh Sloan. Make sure to stop by sportable.org and see what Josh and the rest of the amazing people at Sportable are up to. Let's welcome Josh Sloan. Josh! How's it going? How are you? I'm good, man. Can you hear me all right? Yep. All good. I don't even, is Shelly even joining us? No, just okay. me. Okay. <laughs> I had no clue if like the, it was going to be a, a tag team or not. So, <laughs> nope. um, and by the way, I just start recording. We are live and all that shit and blah, blah, blah. So, okay. um, yeah, no problem. Thank you for doing this. Like, uh, you know, Dr. Sifu, Dave had, uh, mentioned, uh, Shelly and, you know, we've been talking she's like, Josh would be absolutely awesome to jump on here and do this. So, um, you know, like I really, you, you know, we've been kind of in touch with Hunter and had like a great relationship for a couple of years and being able to kind of do some stuff with sportable. It's really, you know, um, honor or privilege to work with you guys. And so like really, you know, a lot of what I want to talk about with, with you is I always say that the podcast for me, this is your platform. I'm just kind of the medium and, um, to just yeah. to really tell your story, tell what you're doing. Um, you know, I think one of the, I, I talked when I was talking to Hunter and Forrest, and I might've even mentioned this to Shelly. Uh, one of the things to me that I think is really, there's a relationship about what we do and what you guys do is kind of that source of inspiration um, and how we inspire people to move forward bring, bring what we do to other people. And, you know, maybe that's a, sort of a place to start. I don't know. Like I, you know, I really want to get your background because I know that you were really athletic before your injury, but then you continued to be athletic and then you really got into sportable and you've been working there for four. Is it almost You're kind of breaking up? Oh, sorry. Can you hear me? Oh, I lost you completely. Hold oh, on. Sure. I don't know if you can hear me. I certainly cannot hear you. Yeah. There we go. Okay. Gotcha. I just lost you for the past, like, oh. <laughs> maybe 20 seconds. Um, the, I, I was saying like, you were really active, um, athletically before you had your accident mm-hmm. and then you continued to be athletic after. And so I think that that's a great, you know, something we can also talk about, but you've been with sportable for, for, is it four years, three and a half, four years, somewhere in that range? Yeah. Yeah. So, something like that. But yeah, I, not. you know, I, I guess like to, to kick it off, like, and really just for the domination of this whole podcast is really just about you and kind of what you bring to the table, what, what you do, how you inspire others. Um, and, and kind of, in, you know, kind of how sportable like inspires others. So Take it away, Josh. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if it's my internet or yours, but you just broke up again. Huh. Um, no, I got you. I got you clean here. Okay, cool. Then it, it must be on my end, but it says I have good internet. So okay. Okay. We're just going to kind of. All right. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah. Um, my name is Josh Sloan. I'm the volunteer and outreach coordinator at Sportable. Um, and basically, uh, you know, I grew up, I guess, playing sports. I mean, really, I was more, I've always been more interested in like outdoor sports, extreme sports, stuff like that. Um, And that's really what I've, you know, still do in 
well, I play a lot of team sports now, but, you know, growing up and then like college and after college, I, you know, I was very, very active with, um, I mean, anything, anywhere with mountains or, or, you know, whatever I could do, whether it was hiking, rock climbing, uh, mountain biking, snowboarding, uh, rappelling, like mountaineering, anything, you know, uh, whitewater rafting, whitewater kayaking, flatwater kayaking, like anything that I could do to just, you know, be outside and like have fun. And like motorcycles were a really big thing for me. Um, any, anything adrenaline rush based really. And in, in anything, basically, so you're an ex, you're an ex gamer. <laughs> more. Yeah. I mean, well, more, you know, like the, also really like like walking through the woods like you know what i mean like, like so anything in, in kind of in that realm um and so you know richmond like i went to dcu uh it, richmond was a great place to sort of be exposed to that stuff and be able to do it like right in town um which was really cool uh and then right after college i moved to denver colorado like literally to be uh you know have access to to bigger mountains, um, you know, different terrain, uh, you know, just be able to explore the West Coast. Um, would spend a lot of time in Utah in like the canyons and the desert. I really, really love that area. Um, and then after about a year and a half ish in, in Denver, had an opportunity to uh, move to Ecuador and Ecuador has huge mountains and massive biodiversity. Um, and so that was like a really, seemed like a really good fit for me. Um, I was an English teacher. I got a master's in teaching. So after that, I, that's when I moved to Denver. I was teaching at a public school in Denver and then um, got a job at a school in Ecuador. Um, and Teaching English there as uh, well? Yeah, okay. yeah. Uh, teaching, um, think of it more like teaching like literature and writing than teaching like the language. Like uh, my students spoke English. Uh, they were Ecuadorian, but they had been you know, I had them in ninth grade. They had been speaking English uh, for half their day in school since they were in pre-K. So um, it's kind of like a, not kind of, it's like a private school uh, in Ecuador, basically. And so, yeah, I mean, really, again, moved there just to like have new experiences, be in a new place, um, you know, big mountains, uh, whitewater, whitewater surfing, like hiking, you know, trips, whatever, like all that kind of stuff. Um, so get there. I'm supposed to be there for three years, about three months in, we, uh, went, we had a three day weekend, um, in like early November. And we took a trip from Quito, which is where I live. Quito is yep. at 9,800 feet. It's double the height of Denver. Um, took a trip from Quito down into the jungle, like almost in Brazil, um, kind of like on that border and did some uh trekking through the jungle like uh camped in the jungle for a night um and did some uh like whitewater like you know what duckies are they're sort of like half kayak half uh half raft contraptions um and we we ran a section of the river on those um it was a great trip you know uh whatever and then we're taking the bus back home to quito and so you know if anybody's ever been to spent time in Latin America, you know, that the buses drive a lot faster and a little more reckless than they do here. And, um, we were just on the bus. I was, uh, I was reading a book and I fell asleep and I woke up into the bus crash. Like the bus was literally crashing. Um, and that, you know, I broke my neck in that experience. Uh, and I've been see what's called a C5, C6 quadriplegic ever since that basically means, um, I am paralyzed from like my armpits down. Um, so I don't have any use of in the muscles in my trunk. Um, I have very good use of like my arms, um, external of my fingers and triceps. So like uh, most of the muscles in my arm, like my upper arm, like my biceps work like they always have before my shoulders, uh, work like they always have before my upper traps, my middle traps, like all of those things still work perfectly. So like I can push a manual wheelchair, I can, you know, paddle a kayak, I can row like a skull, like for rowing, I can pedal a hand cycle, um, you know, 
et cetera, et cetera, with what arm function that I have, but my arm function is limited. Um, so hence quadriplegic. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, basically like I say, I mean, that really, I mean, really my thing was like traveling and like new experiences and stuff. And, and again, like most of the new experiences I wanted to do had to do with adrenaline rushes or nature. Like those are kind of the things. And so, um, yeah, I mean, that experience basically I had to come back to the States for rehab. I had to come back to the States, you know, just for a number of reasons. So I come back here it's in rehab for a long time uh, in a really good hospital in Atlanta called the Shepherd Center. Um, I finally, this was in October, 2014 in April of 2015, I finally get home, home, like, and, you know, back to like my mom's house, which, uh, for me was like very devastating experience. Like as someone who, you know, was really interested in traveling the world, moving back to like the house that I like grew up in was like very, was like in many ways, like more, I think more like emotionally hard for me than the act of actually having a disability in a lot of ways. Um, so anyway, I get home, that sucks. And, uh, you know, I just want to like continue to be active. I'm, I am a like terminally bored. I'm like, I, I hate being bored. I, I always want to have fun. Like I always want to be busy. Um, I, if I'm just sitting alone with my thoughts, I'll get really depressed. Like I, I need to be out and active and doing things so that I can have fun and like just, you know, quality of life is like being active and being outdoors and, and, you know, have whatever, like these kinds of things are massively impactful on my quality of life. So I hear about Sportable pretty much as soon as I get home, um, took a couple of months just to kind of get my ducks in a row and then, and then started doing, um, basically whatever they had to offer. I think the first thing I ever went to was rowing. Um, and then from rowing, just kind of like whatever they had, I would come out and try it. If, if I found that it wasn't really my thing, I didn't think it was very fun or, you know, maybe it wasn't particularly suited to my like ability level. Like I would, I would kind of drop that and stick with the things that I liked. And then I kind of just carved out what programs that I liked and which ones I didn't and have consistently done those since. Um, with the exception of kind of at this point, we we've expanded our programming so much in terms of, offerings per sport per year that like I can't do all of the ones that I would necessarily want to because there's too much overlap like uh last night I went kayaking with our program and I skipped rugby practice and now my rugby teammates are mad at me for skipping rugby <laughs> practice but I'm like yeah but we practice every week and like we don't kayak that much so I wanted to go kayaking um and it was so, a perfect you know, a day yesterday have, you know right no, oh I, man, it was beautiful. And yeah, and, and that, that's yeah, what I think is fun. that's what I think is so cool is I I do think and I go back to that inspiration component is that what you are bringing even to the guys and girls on your rugby team that you're going but we can also do this. We can also do this. You know, it's not it doesn't have to be laser focused on one specific you know, athletic event, like you're giving them that opportunity to look at something in a different way from, from your past, even. I think the way, the, the way that we, like the way that I think about what we do. Um, and I think the way that a lot of our, like myself included in this, most, most of our athletes wouldn't be able to do the activities that they're doing without us, whether it's more often than not, that's a, that is due to like monetary reasons, like not being able to afford the equipment that stuff requires. Um, but that also might not, be, might not just be that it might be, they need, you know, to play a team sport, you need a team to play against, um, to, you know, get into something. You need somebody to coach you to teach you how to do it. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of factors that would prevent somebody with a disability from just kind of like jumping into an able-bodied sport or an able-bodied recreation activity. Um, like, on their own and what we what i like about what we do is that we have so many different options so we have you know 16 different programs six which is 16 different sports so if you're not a team sport indoor person we have outdoor individual activities for you to like to participate in if you don't care about going outdoors and, you know, getting that sunshine or like kind of having that, like, you know, more like 
nature-y kind of like out on your own kind of feeling. And, and you're very much more concerned about being part of a team and working together to accomplish a unified goal. We have team sport opportunities too. So it it's, and then kind of like everything in between. Um, I, Cause I really, I, I don't want to uh, sort of like disagree with what you're saying, but I, I really push back a lot on the idea of like, disabled athletes or disabled people generally really being inspirational because I don't really think what I cert I know that like what other other um disabled athletes represent to me the ones that I know as well as like ones that are more Paralympic or something like what really what they represent to me is just like the exact same thing as any other athlete within a field represents so like Oh yeah. And I, I mean no. that I, I, that's exact. I think athletes in general are inspirational. Yeah. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not specifying that what you're doing is any different than, than an able body athlete. I think, I think in general, what, what an athlete gives us is inspiration to go out and do it. It doesn't mean totally. any of us are going to be professional at what we do, but it just totally. allows us to see that. That's what I meant. Yeah. And I, well, I think what you see, right. Or what, like it's, it's a really interesting thing. And, I, and it's something that I think is a huge value of adaptive sports specifically, but I mean, I, I think all sports, but I think really adaptive sports specifically, especially if you have an acquired injury, like I did. Um, so if you, you know, you have to, you're adjusting to this whole new reality that you're faced with, like you're, you're, your body doesn't work how it used to, and you have to learn how to reuse it. It's like learning to like, it's literally like learning to like learning a new sport. I mean, it, it you have to learn all of the, the limitations, the rules, the tricks, like you have to figure all of this stuff out. And if you can be involved with people who have already figured it out and are already doing it and are already living with it, and you can just be around them and get like literally get like actual like tips and pointers of like things to do. Um, these are like it, just completely like, invaluable um, in terms of like a benefit of adaptive sports. Um, you know, this weekend at the tennis tournament that that you all sponsored, you were the presenting sponsor of our River City Slam tournament. Um, this was the first in-person tennis tournament, wheelchair tennis tournament that any any wheelchair tennis player that was there had been to since COVID. Yep. So it is people from Georgia, people from Oregon, people from California, people from Arizona, people from Michigan, people from Virginia, people from New York, people from all over the country, 56 athletes from all over the country. And on Friday, the first day of the tournament, I was working the check-in table and it was like a family reunion. <laughs> So like, it's, it's like this, literally, I mean, like this, this, these two women get out of the car, I'm checking them in, they're from Michigan. They're really nice. You know, we're just kind of like, Hey, how's it going? Sorry about the rain. Da, da, da. This other woman comes up from New York. They literally like screamed and hugged each other. <laughs> and again, you know, they hadn't seen each other in, in almost two years. And, you know, you realize that like, these people, you know, when these sports are in season and they're traveling for these tournaments, I mean, these are like, they know each other. These are, you know, year and year and year long friendships that you forge with these groups, like these people that you compete against in these adaptive sports. Um, it's the same thing when I go to rugby tournaments, right? Like it made, like this past weekend made me like so much, so badly want to travel to a rugby tournament. Right. Like, be because it's this whole, it, it's just like, there's something that I really believe about, you, you know, you need to have time with, if you're part of a like minority group, which I define, I, I think disability is a minority group. If you need to have time where you spend time with people in your like minority group community. It, it, it really, because there, the level of empathy and understanding and just community that you can have with other disabled people. It's just, you just can't find it yep. with able-bodied people. Now you can find all of the things you would ever want out of a relationship, whether it's a friendship, you know, whatever, 
your family, your friends, all of those things are still, they're great. And I'm not taking away from any, like, you know, my closest friends to this day are my like able-bodied friends that I was friends with like before this. Um, but there is something that I don't share with them anymore. And I, and I need to be around people who I do share this with. Yep. And, and that's something that I think that adaptive sports provides that is like, the value of it just couldn't be overstated in my opinion. Um, and well, and I, I was just going to jump in because I think the cool part to me is, you know, early on when, when I was talking to Hunter and I can't remember who else was on the, the initial conversations, they were expecting roughly 20 athletes to come in Oh yeah, and to have 56, I think speaks Crazy. volumes to a, the importance of having this event and like you said, it's like, this is the first event for people since COVID. And, and I think you are, you're, 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 you're saying it in such a beautiful way that it, it is important for, for people that are disabled to be able to get together, to have community in the same space. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, the event was so incredible for those reasons. And, you know, like, again, unfortunately I was out of town and wasn't, I wasn't able to be there for much of it, but to just to see at the beginning, the smiling faces kind of like, like what you were stating about having people from different parts of the country in the same space and hugging each other. And just like, wow, I get to see you again. And just, it, 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 it just, you know, like, I said to Forrest, I believe it's just like, we, you know, we were just so honored to be a part of that in, in the smallest of ways. Um, but just to be around it, I think it, it is, it's just, it's important. And it like, it, it really is kind of heartfelt to us to be able to be around that. Yeah. And no, and like, it's another big thing. I think that's really cool again about, about what sportable and just what adaptive sports and I guess really what sports do in general is that it doesn't, it's not just bringing together, you know, the people that are playing it, it's bringing together like all of these different, I mean, like the, the, the staff at these places, this, like the, um, the volunteer community around adaptive sports, the, um, I mean, everything, like, it's like the, the, I mean, with, for youth athletics, for youth um, adaptive athletics, you know, you've got all these parents on the sidelines. Again, their experience as a parent of a child with a disability is just different than everybody else at the PTA. And so if, when they get to come and, and their kids are playing wheelchair basketball or their kids are playing wheelchair tennis or whatever, and they're sitting, you know, over there in the bleachers, during practice, they're getting to have conversations about things that they couldn't have with, you know, the other kids' parents at the bus stop. Yep. It, it, the, the, those kinds of things are hugely important too. But I kind of got uh, sidetracked. What I was saying was like, yeah, I mean, everybody there at an event like the tennis tournament, and, and I really think even even more profoundly at just like your your average everyday run of the mill practices, like those people that are there, right, like. Um, one of my teammates, his dad, he comes to every single practice. He doesn't need to come to every single practice. His son's like totally independent. Um, he just, but he just comes to help out and he has just become like, you know, when we get flat tires on our rugby chairs, when we like run them into each other at the wrong angle, get a flat, this guy's like the tire changing guru of the world. You know what I mean? And he's, um, like I've had some issues with my chair recently and it can be kind of tough to get the the folks that work on chairs for a living to like get them to to work on it they kind of they're kind of booked out and so you can kind of just be dealing with something that breaks and you kind of need somebody to fix it well this guy's dad knows what knows how to fix these chairs like knows what he's doing i you know just told him like a couple of days before practice one like hey this is going on can you take a look at it so i'm out i'm playing rugby he's over there fixing my chair for me like th th there's things like that that like it just becomes so much of like a community and so like you know it's a kind of a cliche to say like a family but so much of like that like that vibe of just like everybody knows everybody everybody understands each other I mean it's just a, it's just a really great space I think to to kind of live in um yeah 
and and, and the, again the tennis tournament just fo- like fosters that on such a on a such a bigger level again because it's like the entire their representatives from the entire wheelchair tennis and adaptive sports community like one of the guys that was a player in that tournament is the athletic director for the adaptive sports at university of arizona yep you have university of arizona has the most robust um adaptive sports program in the country and effort for, on a collegiate level so you, like you just got into something guy, you just got into something i was going to ask actually because i do i i actually um was it uh i just completely forgot his name um I, w- I reached out to the athletic director yesterday because David got me in touch with him. And I found that really interesting and really cool that universities actually have teams for adaptive sports, but it's not yeah. that it's not that many. And is that, is that something that uh, I don't want to say it's a goal of sportable or yours or whoever that more universities do get into that field I mean, is that something that totally like, I mean, cause I found it fascinating and I'm totally spacing on the guy's name. I'm, I'm, I'm have to look it up now. Um, I don't remember his name either. I'm be- sorry. Because he, I, um, it was, it was super cool. Cause I had, I had seen him on a, on a webinar at an adaptive athletics conference, like a virtual conference. Peter Hughes. In. Yeah. And I had seen him. Was it Peter Hughes? Yeah. And then, and then I believe, yeah. And then, and then, so I see him on this webinar and on the webinar, he's like, Look, I'm going to a wheelchair tennis tournament in Virginia, and and I'm like, hey, I know that wheelchair. <laughs> and then I meet the guy, yeah. and I'm like, dude, I saw you on the webinar. That was awesome. Like, you know, but yeah, I mean, to answer your question, like, I like absolutely, and not just collegiate, right? I mean, like any the the more the the more opportunities for people with disabilities to do anything that's what we're, we want to foster. So like, cause this, this tournament also um, had a relationship with the USTA, correct? Yep. And, and, mm-hmm. and, they, the, and the USTA has historically been like really like, um, I know that there was some issues with it recently, but I, it, someone can fact check this if whatever, <laughs> but I, I know that <laughs> I'll get my team on it. No, like the, the, that's right. Yeah. You have fact checkers, you got an intern <laughs> yeah, or something. There is, a, um, there is, um, for all the major pro us tennis tournaments, like Wimbledon, the U S open, things like that. There is, I, I think it's not, not the case like the, like last year or something, but historically there's been a wheelchair division in all of those tournaments, yep. like with payouts and every, like the whole bit, which is, you know, like, that's huge. I mean, that, that's a, that puts so, like that um, validates the work that elite wheelchair tennis players are putting into their sport. I mean, when you meet some of these people, like these like Paralympic level um, athletes, they, they are training just as much as any other professional athlete. Yep. Like everything that they do is wrapped up in their sport what they eat what they drink is to make them better at their sport they don't eat food because it tastes good they eat it for specific like caloric reasons and health reasons to make them bigger or sleeker or whatever they're trying to be everything that they do is you know they they work out six days a week uh you know they they train blah 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 they're like year round day in and day out they fly all over the country. They fly all over the world to play these sports and to try to be the best at these sports. And I mean, it's 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 a sight to behold. And I mean, I think anything that can help f- facilitate that, like the validation of what they're doing, like you know, having more access, like to like see the Paralympics on TV, um, facilitating more collegiate programs for kids who you know want that collegiate uh, sport experience just like they would be able to have if they were able-bodied and they worked really hard at the sports that they played in high school. You know, it's really important that those things are there. I think that, you know, again, I kind of talked about this earlier, but I like, it's like, who are like, what do you want to do? And within sports and that like, and if that is like just the simplest, simplest of goals, like, 
you know what? Like, I just, I want to, I want to get outside for a couple hours a week. I want to, you know, ride a bike. I don't want to go fast. I don't want to go far. I just want to kind of enjoy being out here, get out of the house. Like that's to me, that is like the most admirable goal and just as important and valuable as your like Paralympic gung-hoer. Like, you know, and that's one of the things that I love most about what Sportable does and what we get to offer people is we're not like saying, you know, we value you if you're doing it this way like whatever you like whatever our athletes want to get out of you know the experience we can provide them that's what we're happy to provide because we're here as an access point to something that someone just wants to do and so it's not us trying to put upon our athletes to do what we think is important we're here to help them get done what they think is important, what they want to do to improve their own quality of life. Um, and I mean, that's why I've bought into it so much. And that's why I've been able to, you know, personally get so much out of this stuff is because, I, you know, I know that I like to get like my kayaks on my the roof of my van right now without a couple of able-bodied people, it'll stay up there. It's not like I'm going to pull it off. I can't reach it. So, so like, I need people around to do that kind of thing. But I mean, outside of that, like I'm the one with the motivation to go kayaking. When I'm in my boat, I'm the one, you know, paddling the kayak. I'm the one moving the boat through, like through the space. I'm the one doing the activity. And I know that there's limitations to what, like there's a lot of facilitation, a lot of like human support that I need to accomplish that. And that's a really big deal. And even if, again, just because, and it's, I guess the reason I bring that up is that I'm not a Paralympic kayaker. I'm not even a competitive kayaker. I just get in my kayak and paddle around and look at birds and <laughs> like chill. And the fact that, I mean, not just, you know, not again, not, not even just affordable, just like whoever is helping me do that. I mean, it, like it is so drastically impactful on my quality of life I can't like it just can't be overstated like it I tell the, the thing that I think you know I use a wheelchair so I have a physical disability so the things that most negatively affect my life are lack of access to things steps no ramp fourth floor no elevator narrow doorway these are the thing like gravel instead of paved like whatever these are the things that go from me being able to just have a normal everyday life like everybody else to me being like disabled like not being able to do things and so i really connect what we do with that same thing because you know i'm in my office right now for me to get in here there's a ramp to me to get in here if there wasn't a ramp to get in here I couldn't have this job. If I didn't have this job, I, my quality of life would be drastically reduced if I didn't have a job. Um, so I think of us in that in that same access way. Um, again, there's so much more to it than that. Like I, I was talking a lot about the community around this stuff earlier. And I, I mean, all of that's hugely important too. But like at the end of the day, just needing the raw access to the thing whether it's an environment or a piece of equipment or an app or a competition or a practice, whatever it is, like being able to provide people just that access point is really, I think the most, the, the biggest thing about what we do. want to take a quick break to remind everybody to stop by sportable.org to keep up with Josh and everything that Sportable is doing. Also a reminder to listen to the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors, Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandarich podcast. Now back to Josh. In, in that kind of idea 
you guys have like good relationships with, and I'll just say, like other sportables around the country. You obviously have to have some sort of, oh, yeah. with like, um, like how does that, how does that work? Like obviously the tennis tournament is a great example of, of like kind of connectedness. And that again goes back to the university idea that, you know, like, again, like the university of Arizona has such from what I can, you know, what I've been reading has such an incredible, you know, athletic department for disabled athletes within that university system. Is that, I mean, again, I go back to that goal question. Is that something that, you would not that you're going to be the force leading this, but something that you would love to see change in that space. It goes, it kind of goes back oh, to what you were saying about love access. Yeah, love to see it here. I mean, yeah. right. I mean, love to see it here. We'd love to see like, I mean, any, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be great if every college had something like that. I mean, that would be incredible. Right. Like, um, I think but, it changes, yeah, I mean, it changes of, the game really, truly like oh, yeah. literally in terms of, but in terms of like other clubs like ours, yeah, I mean, they, they uh, almost everything operates independently, but we are almost every adaptive sports organization, whether it's just like a team for one sport or it's like a massive operation that's working out of a rehab hospital or it's like, you know, something like our size or it's a, uh, you know, the adaptive ski program on a, like a, a mountain for, for skiing, or like, if it's like a group for, that does like fishing camp, you know, fishing trips or paragolfing or like anything, anything out there. Right. All, most of that stuff is, are what are called chapters of a, an organization called move United. Okay. And so move United is kind of that, that kind of that connector between all of us. Um, and then, you know, the, then for, for specific sports, there are like the the governing bodies of those sports. So there's the National Wheelchair Basketball Association. There's the uh, US Wheelchair Rugby Association. There's, um, I mean, I think the USDA, I, I, I don't know much, I don't play tennis, so I don't know a ton <laughs> about the organization there, but I mean, it sure seems like the USDA incorporates like a wheelchair division into what they do as well. Um, so like, yeah, like if we were going to host, say we're going to host a basketball tournament um, or a rugby tournament, we would reach out to all the other teams in the area, just like they would reach out to us if we were going to have something and then not in the area, really all over the country. And then, you know, Whoever wants to come, um, you know, it, there is in all these sports, just like in tennis, there's divisions. So, you know, if you have it, if our team is our bas- our adult basketball team is division two, I think. So like we wouldn't invite a whole bunch of division one teams. We would try to invite a lot of division two teams. We wouldn't we wouldn't invite a bunch of division three teams because, um, you know, we would beat them and we would get the crap beat out of us by division one <laughs> team. So, you know, you try to try to make it but yeah i mean it's um yeah it's it really is for how like geographically large like kind of the adaptive sports community is it's a pretty it's a pretty small community in term not now small is not the right word it's a big community but in terms of like you know the, the guys who run the teams the, the the women who you know are gonna be able to organize these many people to travel here to do this. Um, a lot of people have each other's phone numbers and, and email addresses. Uh, you know, so you kind of just open up the Rolodex and and make some calls, make some emails, and and you can typically get you know kind of get something going pretty pretty like that's you know going to be pretty impactful. Right. Do you, with your, I'm going to go back to your English major. Do you like were you a writer mm-hmm. at all? I mean, is that is that something? I mean, is it, it um, how did you yeah, use a little it? bit more, more hobby, hobbyist really? I mean, like I, I, I'm a big, I'm more of like a, like, what's the word? What's the word? I'm look, I like to sort of like analyze okay. uh, books, movies, right. more like writing papers about what books mean than 
Well, because yeah. I, I, the, the, the oh. reason the reason why I ask is obviously you know where we come from, where where we like to combine an athletic practice and a creative practice because it's mm-hmm. good for our you know our wellness, our mental health, our actual health. And totally. like, I was curious, like if you still have like this kind of creative outlet, and which it sounds like you do, like you're like you. Oh you're, yeah, yeah. You're, you're yeah. Kind I mean, it's pretty fairly outside of sportable. I mean, but yeah, I mean, I. I still like, you know, right. I mean, yeah, I, mostly what I write these days is like just like short little like blurby movie reviews of the movies that I watch. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Watch, watch so many movies that I need to like keep up with, keep up with my thoughts on them because I'll forget because like if I have a free, like if I have like a free, a free Sunday, I'll watch like four movies and I need oh. to like, they're all kind of like run together. So I need to like make sure that I can refer to something to say like, oh, this is what I thought about this. Or like, oh yeah. <laughs> right. But um Right. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I, um, yeah, having some kind of creative output, whatever it is, is, is hugely important. I mean, I think just as important to sport. And uh, this is something that I, I bring up a lot, too, is when I'm trying to explain to a group of people why what we do is important, I always ask them, like, what do you do outside of work? Yep. Like, you, you've got to do something for you. fun. Yep. Yep. Like, what are you, like, what are you doing for fun? Like, because, and then like, okay, whatever you do for fun, why do you do that? And then they list the reasons and, you know, they're, they're, they're pretty, pretty across the board. They're like, you know, the, uh, it's good for mental health. It's good for physical health. It's good for, uh, you know, being part of a community. It's good for, you know, all of the things, right. Like, uh, it, and, it could be somebody talking about, you know, skiing. It could be somebody talking about being on a rec basketball team. It could also be somebody talking about painting or gardening or cooking or literally any, any enjoyable hobby. I mean, you know, like birding, I don't know, like pick something, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't. And again, that's what I, we're a niche. Like we offer sport right but really again what i think we offer is just access to something that people want to do and so no matter what you you're passionate about i believe very strongly that a physical disability should not prevent you from like doing the things that you are passionate about and in certain cases that that requires maybe equipment that otherwise wouldn't be available to like you couldn't just go to you know, I don't know, a bike store and just like buy a hand cycle. Like there wouldn't be one sitting on the rack. Like they could probably order one for you, I'm sure. But like you, you would have to, you would have to ask. They probably wouldn't know what it was. They would need to like, like it would be a whole thing. You know what I mean? And th- there's, so yeah, just that access. I mean, uh, friend, like a friend of mine's going to school for art therapy right now. I mean, and like art therapy is like a huge thing. I mean, it's really, it's really important and impactful. And, you know, again, I don't have much of, I've never been much for like painting or anything like that, but like, I love, like, I love writing. Like I have like, as, as a kid and like I mean, through college, like, you know, like write like horror and like science fiction, like, like dumb little stories and stuff. And I miss, I mean, and like, I said, that kind of makes me want to write something to be honest but yeah i mean totally <laughs> do like it that. do it yeah 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 like but yeah th- those kinds of things i mean you know these are these are the things that we get up out of bed for like we don't get up out of bed to go to work nope we go to we go to work to do other stuff yep. like, i go to work well, no offense people <laughs> i won't tell anybody <laughs> I, I, yeah right but i mean you know like I, I i go to work because i want to be able to have the the money and the resources to do the things that i want to do outside of work yep you know um i mean obviously in my case that's pretty unique because a big part of my job is providing that access to other people or whatever but uh yeah yeah i mean what are like some of your and this can be personal goals or goals for sportable um, I mean, I'd, I'd mm-hmm. love to hear what your personal goals are for the future. Like, I, you know, I don't want to go, what do you, where you want to be in 10 years, but you know, like what are like yeah. some of the things that like you want to accomplish personally? What do you want to see sportable? Like how, how to expand that? Because I think, you know, one of the things I think sportable has done in the last, you know, f- even just five years is really, it's, 
it's growing. I think I read something like you guys have like 200 ish to 300 volunteers or something like it's pretty incredible. Like what, what is becoming of that, that space and that community, but like, what, yeah, what are some of the yeah. things you want to accomplish in the next, you know, whatever, I don't, there's no time limit, whatever. Uh, I mean, okay. I'll, I'll do me first for me. I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of trying to close on a house. So nice. that's my big thing right now. It's like a waiting. Pain in, that's like, a pain in the ass. I tell you, oh. man, it is tough. It the is. Construction it is delays so, have yeah. been insane. It's just been one thing after another. So that that is like my the biggest the biggest cause of stress in my life right now is like when can I move into this house? Um, so that's certainly my and that's been a very long term goal for me. Uh, you know, is like since my spinal cord injury is like I want to get into a house that I own that's accessible for me that you know I can like you know really call my own and. So that's going to be like a very big milestone for me. Um, so I'm, I'm excited about that. But outside of that, um, I mean, the other thing really, to, to be honest, like in terms of like personal goals for, for sports is I would, we really as a rugby team need like some more players, specifically what are called high pointers, which are like ball carriers in, in rugby. And it's like a, personal goal of mine like find them and get them on the team and that's also kind of I mean, that's not kind of that's also finding new athletes for sportable is also my job too so like it it's kind of a double whammy in that way but it, you know i'm not i wouldn't spend my time like at work like neglecting recruiting people for our other programs to focus on rugby because it would benefit me personally like i'm not going to do that <laughs> but in terms of like a in terms of like a personal goal like definitely I really want to, you know, that would be, that would just be make our experience as a rugby team so much better if we could find a few new people to get involved, um, particularly on that high pointer into things, which again, are sort of like the, sort of like the running backs of, of rugby, of wheelchair rugby, wheelchair rugby isn't rugby. It's different. It, that, that's a long conversation. You can YouTube <laughs> that. Uh, but, but um, yeah. So do you, th- watch, do you watch, that, do you watch rugby a lot? Speaking of which, I mean, in general, um, I watch wheelchair rugby. I don't, yeah, okay. I know, I know nothing really about, about okay. rugby, not no, really at all. Uh, no, I really the only spectator sport that I, I, I've, I go through phases with all of them. Uh, but the only one I keep, keep up with mostly recently is like Liverpool soccer is like kind of the only <laughs> thing that I watch <laughs> regularly. Um, but I, I am super excited about, uh, about, the Paralympics because I'm, I'm excited to watch the, uh, watch the rugby because those guys are really good. And I, you know, you can learn a lot from watching people that are better than you. Uh, and what was I saying in terms of sportable goals, man, I, there's so much that, that like that we could have that could make it like they could make what we do better. I mean, I think, it's I don't know it's hard to say it's hard for me to not say things that are like just like logistic and organizational like I mean if we could have some more staff running programs that'd be incredible um right now my my two coworkers that that physically run our programs like that are there in the trenches every day they are stretched so thin um and we we, I know we've we've got a new person coming on in August which is going to be great and um be able to relieve hopefully um you know, get some relief and like get some, get things spread out a little bit better. So there's a little bit better work-life balance for my coworkers. Um, but I mean, the more, the more of that, I think the better, because, you know, this is really hard work um, to make these programs run. And yeah. And then other than that, I mean, really, and again, this is, this is tied into that same thing as well. It is, we're kind of running all over greater Richmond uh, all the way as far South as Petersburg, all the way up to Ashland uh, way out in far Western Henrico, far Western Chesterfield, like in the city, all over the place in the East end, we're all over the place running our programs. And it, and that means we have to like, not we, again, my coworkers who I already said are stretched too thin. They have to load up all the equipment. They got to drive it 45 minutes out to so-and-so wherever unload it, 
run the program, load it back up, drive it back to Richmond. I mean, you know, a facility would be incredible. Uh, in 10 years, if we had a facility, like, a, you know, three court, I mean, this is, we're talking, I'm talking high, like uh, absolute ideal, like, you know, three court gym, basketball courts, uh, a, 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 an indoor pool, maybe like some kind of like outdoor, like, you know, mile or two mile, like kind of paved path kind of thing that we could do like introductory cycling on and stuff like that. I mean, man, that would, that would be just incredible. That's what like you see with, again, the one places that are based out of rehab hospitals, they can kind of do that kind of thing because they, um, but you know, most of most clubs like us, that's not a reality. Uh, I could think of off the top of my head, like five or six that have a, a facility like that. Um, you mean around the country? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's not, it's not super common. Um, again, just because of, I think just because it's just difficult to get it funded. It's, and then all of a sudden, if you do get it funded, well, then you got to keep the lights on. I mean, it, there's yeah. a lot to it. You have a lot more staff at that point. And, um, well, and I'm know, sure that's a reason why a lot of universities don't have, have the facilities like, like in Arizona because of the costs and, you know, like run, just running athletic departments in general, are insane and to add that yeah. would be like yeah. extra but i still think it's i think it's a goal and so needed that it, that would like be you know kind of life-changing entities of, of sorts that would really oh yeah i mean there's a few, again there's a few in the country that I, like i sort of think of that you know i i sort of personally think of as like you know kind of like the what would be ideal and, and i mean yeah they, they have they, they're these you know they're like a, like a campus i mean it's like a big it's like a you know it's they're a hub for these things um you know the lakeshore foundation in um alabama i think it is or, uh the ability 360 in um out west utah maybe um there's a few of them I mean, and then and then uh, you know like university of arizona and university of alabama and really like all, all the collegiate programs like those athletes have access to the same training facilities as all the able-bodied athletes do. Like, that's really cool. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having somewhere like, look, like we rugby was at the, at a YMCA last night, right? We need a full basketball court to play rugby. We had, we had a two hour slot. We had half a court for an hour of it and then full court for an hour. And we're having to like, you know, kick the entire, neighborhood off this basketball court while they're trying to play pickup even though obviously they get to play pickup seven days a week whenever they want to and we get to you know we have to like you know beg to carve out two hours one day a week to get to go in there and play so again just like having our own space would not have the transport equipment and just having the equipment there and it being centralized would man it would be incredible it would be so cool but i mean the, the bottom line is if that never happened we could still have an incredible program and that so that's not it's not a goal that is going to make or break what we do we can do it without it it would just make it would, this is a really really hard job not my job my coworkers jobs that run these programs is a hard job and anything that i could personally do or we could do as a company to make that easier i think would be huge right right um these are like kind of fun questions at the end. Like you mentioned this maybe a I, this might be a four-part question. I have no idea how this is going to pan out. But you you mentioned you watch a lot of movies and you are, you know, somebody that is is a creative writer of sorts and and different. Like what are some of those interesting movies that you like or or writers that you like? Um and in that maybe maybe this is different, but what are like some of the people that inspire you? Um, whether I don't want to use the word hero, like I I sometimes use the word heroes, but some of the, and again, it doesn't have to be, you know, writers or, you know, it could be, it could be other athletes. It could be teachers you had, but some, you know, somebody that inspired you and then some, like some of the writers or some of the movies that really affect you or in different ways, maybe. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, well, in terms of like disability advocates, uh, Judith Hyman or human, H E U M A N N. Um, she's like a, certainly like a hero of mine. She was kind of like the, uh, 
one of the people on the forefront of the um, like the civil rights movement for people with disabilities, like really from the sixties, like all the way up through the passage of the ADA. Um, and she is just like, it has been like an absolute force in that, in that world. Um, and really, if you want to kind of learn about her life and the disability rights movement, generally, um, there's a really great documentary on Netflix called Crip Camp that they can. Crip, Crip Camp? Okay. Yeah, Crip. Like, yeah. That, that really, that really spells it out really well. Um, so, I mean, all of those folks, and there's some, um, there's some disability advocates now that, that I think are, are really, I mean, there's some, you know, that I think are really good, but, but she's kind of the one that I always come back to that I kind of think of as like the, really like the, just the best um, in that, in this, in that space. Um, I mean, in terms of movies, I mean, in terms of movies as, as, as related to disability, I mean, again, there's that. Um, and then, I mean, anybody that plays wheelchair rugby will tell you to watch Murderball, um, which, you know, it's a documentary from 2007, I think, uh, that was, it's basically about the sport uh, and, and is really about uh, Team USA and kind of like the captain of team, like the former captain of Team USA is kind of like his um, kind of like story with the sport and stuff. And it's actually really well made, um, definitely worth checking out. But I mean, in terms of stuff that, that I personally watch, I, I, um, I like, I don't know, a lot of, I guess, like, not as popular movies in <laughs> or newer. I watch like old stuff. Uh, like one of my favorite movies that I've seen recently is it's a British movie from 1980 called Babylon. It's about oh, like yeah. the, uh, <laughs> yeah, great, yeah. so good. Um, about like like basically like reggae culture in like London in the late 70s early 80s um which is kind of different than like Bob Marley reggae but it, it's really I mean it, it's so uh that's really really cool um and like really well shot like it has that kind of like hangout movie thing going for it which is sort of like days and confused I think it's like the best reference for that um and then um what else have I watched recently that I really liked um, in terms of new movies and, you know, I mean, I mean, really in terms of movies about disability, I don't watch almost any movie about disability if it features a able-bodied actor playing a disabled person. Um, although I guess Sound of Metal kind of did that with Riz Ahmed, but not really. And everyone else that represents, like the whole point of that movie was that he started out being able to hear, he then he can't hear. So like, I get why he would get cast. And then everyone else that represents the represents the deaf community in that movie is deaf so like to me that movie's not problematic in that way and i think that's a really a really great movie about what it feels like to acquire disability i think i, I think it's really really good um so that's a good one i think it's on prime for free uh i mean other than that like i watch like weird weird like action and horror movies uh what did i watch recently uh, Dead and Buried, which is like a cult horror movie from like the seventies or something that not a lot of people have seen. But if you like, like telling you, you need to write your Wicker own movie. Man or, you need to do yeah, it. Yeah, like I, stuff like that. Uh, that's another one that I really liked recently. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, they shoot horses, don't they? Is really good. It's like a movie from the 60s about a in the great depression they had these like dance competitions at fairs and so it was like people just like dancing until they couldn't stop dancing like like for and whoever danced the longest would get you know 500 bucks or whatever which could be like life-changing for somebody and so it's basically the movie is just like these people like it's like suffering it, it's a very bleak movie i like really i like bleak movie you, you find <laughs> the people that like quote unquote like movies like really like dark ones I, I don't know but yeah that was really great um i don't know you like dumb action movies uh <laughs> universal soldier three day of reckoning is really good <laughs> i don't know all kinds of stuff you get in any uh music any like music yeah yeah definitely um lately um 
I don't know, like um, the I don't know, I listen to random music too. Like a, oh, there's a like Afro beat, like like Fela Kuti and stuff, and yep. like uh, there's a lot of um, sort of offshoots of that, like. Uh, like Ethiopian jazz is really good and um, like uh, I don't know like sort of like early dance music I like and also I've been listening to a lot of like new wave and dark wave and you know new order and joy division and stuff I, I don't know just that's just stuff I've kind of always listened to I, I like a lot of country music as well and <laughs> heavy metal that, I'm kind of all over the place with that stuff that's the best way to be be eclectic in the music taste. That's actually the irony yeah. of how the abstract athlete started. Chris, Chris and I actually met working at a record store together like 30 years ago. Oh, that's so, awesome. Yeah. So that's, yeah, like, I used to work at a record store. Right the, uh, yeah. It's people, in, people look at a record store. What the hell is that? So I mean, they don't yeah. exist anymore. So, um, dude, I, you know, oh, no, there, there's a lot, man. There's some, there's, it's not like it used to be. It's like, there is something, be- no, no, there's something beautiful about going to a record store and just like sifting through stuff, you know, the, which is just, yeah, it's just totally. totally, it's just totally different now to how we consume music. Um, I'm not saying it's better or worse. It's just different. Yeah. So, um, no, it's very different. It's the same with movies too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's, 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 it's weird to me. I mean, it's nice in some ways and weird, you know, like I, I yeah. always, you know, I just, I remember sometimes choosing, choosing records or CDs just by the cover art. Cover. And, yeah. Right. And so it's, right. it's just like, oh, like, oh, it's like, yeah. Like, oh, there's like blood on this. That's cool. Like, <laughs> here we go. And then you just kind of like take the risk. Yeah. Now it's like, yeah, that, yeah. I yeah. mean, you, I could spend four, I could spend four hours picking a movie to watch. Yeah. You know? No, it's, 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 it's great. So I do think you need to write a movie. I'm just, I'm putting that to you. That's my, that's my test. You have to write a movie. <laughs> I like this idea. I, it's but, a good, it's a good, it would be, it would be, it would be cool if I did it Yeah, for sure. But but I, you know, I just, you know, I, first of all, I just want to say thanks for, for jumping on here because it is, um, you know, like we were, it was just really cool to be able to, to do that event with you guys. And I know that, you know, we have a good relationship with, with Hunter and Forrest and, and, and now you and like, look forward to doing stuff in the future. Um, and you know, I'm just, I, I, I'm excited to see like, again, like for me, like with anybody I talk to, like thinking about what goals are and future stuff, like just hearing what, what you have for the future. Like I just, I get excited to like project on thinking about what you're going to do in the future and, and how, you know, like how that manifests and stuff. Um, and you know, again, I just like, I really, um, just appreciate you jumping on here. Um, because it's oh totally man thank you so much for having me no it's thank it's, you guys again for supporting the tennis tournament and, oh god no like i'm i'm um, like, like i said to, i think to forest the other day or you know just like just i or maybe it was hunter um just like look forward to doing stuff in the future because i think you know like i, I do think one of the things and i you know i used this word earlier that 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 inspiration of what we do out in the world to to bring other people to what we do is, is such an important element, you know, and, and how yeah, other totally, people man. like the, the, that's, that's the way that we get facilities built, you know, and that's the way that we yep. change the way people, you know, move through the world and literally and figuratively. And totally. it's like, so hundred percent, but, 100%. um, this, you know, I'll put this out in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'll, I usually like snip out a picture from, from the video to do, um, promo stuff and I'll send it to you okay. and I'll send it to everybody. Um, just, you know, it's portable to like send out for promo use. And, um, and, um, I awesome. always, I, if you have any musician friends, I, if you do, um, if they want to donate a song to the, to the podcast, I always put new music, um, on, I usually just write stuff. Um, but if you have anybody that wants to donate something, feel free to like 
connect us. Um, if not, I'll just put something together and, um, we'll go from there, but, okay. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, um, who knows? I might pop over like every once in a while, you know, I've stopped over a couple of times to say, Hey, to Hunter. And, um, it's been, a, it's been a minute. Yeah, man. So, but thanks again. And, um, uh, we'll, we'll catch up soon, man. Yeah. Sounds good. Thanks for letting me talk about movies too. <laughs> Absolutely. No, I mean that, that, you know, like again, where we come from is that the, the, the physical and, and mental, um, spaces. And like, I think that it's important to talk about those things. So, <laughs> and you're going to write right. one. So yeah, one totally. of these days we're going to be watching your movie. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, cool. All right, brother. All right, man. Thanks Have a, a great day, man. All right, cool. Bye. So much fun talking with Josh today. Just really loved having him on the podcast. Super inspiring. Just love everything Josh is doing. Make sure to stop by sportable.org to keep up with Josh and all of the great people over there at Sportable. A reminder also to check out the other podcasts on the Abstract Athlete Network, the Abstract Doctors with Dr. G and Dr. C, and One Man's Ethos, the Tony Mandridge Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Abstract Athlete Podcast. Stop by our website, theabstractathlete.com, and our other social media outlets for future events, pop-up exhibits, podcasts, and other information. Thank you for listening. We will see you next week. And as always, do not forget to exercise the body and do not forget to exercise the mind. Stay well out there.